So for those of you who don't know, my name is Craig, and I have the privilege of being one of the elders, pastors here at Riverside uh, Community Church. And from our side, just welcome to RPM for the first one this year. Uh, it is really special for us. And uh, just to uh, pick up where Sam left off during the announcements is just to kind of maybe refresh you a little bit about our journey up until this point. And a lot of you are part of what we've been doing, and you've been a part of our story uh, from the start uh, but we really felt God calling us to multiply ourselves. And we uh, just really understand what God has called us to as a church, which is the south of Joburg, and so aware of the mission that we're on and that he has called us to. And for us, the step of faith uh, to go, okay, Lord, let us uh, try and make a, a step of faith to reach those who we are not yet uh, reaching or not able to uh, get to maybe a morning uh, time slot of just gathering with believers for preaching, for worship. And so this is why we're here. This is what we're doing. It's uh, just an expression uh, of ourselves, of Riverside Community Church, just at a different time slot, different congregation to reach those who we aren't normally reaching or who don't have an opportunity to come to maybe the morning or another time when we gather. And this is important for us because it's a step of faith in the mission that God has called us to as a church. And so just again, the encouragement of that is if you are making this your home, to join us in that heart and in that mission, and that you are constantly thinking, praying, who do I know that is not um, encountering Jesus the way I am, uh, that could really do uh, with the Lord in their lives. And so to encourage you uh, to uh, think about that inviting heart, about uh, bringing someone with you, uh, even fetching them if necessary, to come and be a part of what we're doing here, uh, because we really trust in God for those who do not yet know Jesus out in the south of Joburg. And so as we are starting uh, this year afresh, uh, we're going to be starting a nine-week series out of the book of First Peter. So that's where we're going to be for nine weeks, and that's going to take us up to Easter weekend. Can you believe it? We're already talking about Easter, and uh, that's only nine weeks away. So why don't you turn on your Bibles, uh, open up your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter for uh, nine weeks. And uh, now you may be thinking, sure, nine weeks in one place, that is uh, quite something. Why are you doing that? And uh, quite simply... Uh, you know, there's two types of holidays. Uh, you can do a holiday where you can do like a whirlwind tour of Europe and you spend like a day in a country and that's an option that you can take and some people really like that. And then there's another way of doing a holiday where you, you kind of pick one country and you spend the same amount of time uh, just in that one place and both have value, right? One, you kind of just get a broad picture of what's going on and, and one, you really take in all that one place has to offer. And so as a, as a church, and when we preach, sometimes we do both. We'll kind of maybe go briefly through something or maybe spend a few uh, weeks on, on, on different topics that maybe are relevant. And sometimes we then decide to kind of camp out in one space uh, for a while. 
And that adds different value to us because if we kind of pick and choose what we're preaching through, we're going to miss some hard parts uh, of the Bible. And a phrase that Steve and I love is how Scripture does the heavy lifting. And uh, God's Word is alive and it transforms lives. And if we're not going kind of consistently uh, through whole books of the Bible, spending a long time in there, we sometimes run the risk of missing uh, some of the harder parts of Scripture, uh, some of the really challenging uh, parts of Scripture, and we think that's so important because when we're confronted with those and we wrestle through those, that's where real transformation happens in our lives. So from time to time, we spend longer periods of time in one book of the Bible just to kind of take in all that it has to offer so that God's Word really impacts our lives in a different way than if we may be just uh, passing through things a little bit quicker. So nine weeks is where we're going to be, and I want to encourage you, there are some things that you can do to uh, benefit this kind of camping out in 1 Peter, and uh, some things that I want to maybe encourage you with is, as we're going to camp out in here during our, our services together, for you to maybe do the same thing in your personal space. Maybe the start of the year, kind of you picking things up again, and you kind of reigniting your faith over the Christmas holidays, and you're going like, okay, well, where's a good place for me to kind of start with my personal walk with the Lord and growth? Maybe just join us and camp out in First Peter. If you were with us as a church when we did the James series, you'll remember we encouraged you guys to do a couple of things there, and the one was uh, to try and memorize the whole book of James. And guys really benefited from that. And while that seems like quite a challenge, it was quite an easy way to get started by reading a verse and memorizing it. So if you kind of start 1 Peter 1 and memorize that verse tomorrow, the next day you just read and memorize that one and the one that comes after it and see how far you get just uh, kind of committing Scripture to memory. You're able to spend it more time thinking on it during the day. Uh, you can really meditate on God's Word. That was the one challenge we did there, and guys really benefited from that as just a discipline, something that you can do while we're spending the, this amount of time in God's Word. And the other one is just to kind of set yourself the challenge, well, okay, over the next nine weeks, if I can't memorize it, well, I'm going to try and read it as many times as I can. You think reading the same book over and over and over again? Yes. And in fact, uh, try and aim for about 20 times in the next nine weeks, reading the whole of uh, one Peter, and, and try to do it from start to finish in one setting. And you'll find that as you're doing that, things are going to pop up, and then you're going to see things that you never really noticed before, and God is going to speak to you in different ways. And so as we are going to be spending some uh, extended time in one part of the Bible, I encourage you guys uh, to do the same thing. And my encouragement is as you do that, God is really going to speak to you um, through this and speak to us uh, collectively as a church. So I'm just going to pray for us as we start this. And Father God, I'm just so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful that you speak to us through worship and you speak to us through your word. And as we embark on a journey uh, in the book of First Peter, Father God, please, won't you uh, speak to us individually, uh, speak to us uh, as a whole. But Lord God, we just desire that your word would transform us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And that we would more effectively and with greater boldness and surety of faith, uh, live out our lives for you. Amen. All right, so hopefully you have found one pizza by now and you have it open. And so we're just going to jump in and I'm going to read the first uh, two verses to get us started. So Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles in the world, 
scattered throughout uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of His Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So some brief context as we start this. This is a letter written to a number of churches, a letter that would have been circulated uh, between them. They would have passed it on from congregation to congregation church to church, written by the Apostle Peter, one of the 12 uh, disciples. And uh, people like Peter. And if you kind of compare him to some of the other writers, I know that some people struggle to maybe engage with someone like Paul. because It's kind of seen as like too theological, too kind of, uh, up there with his role of, of writing deep, kind of rich theological letters. But Peter uh, seems to uh, have a little bit more uh, that we're able to identify with as this unschooled uh, fisherman uh, that he often really uh, made blupses by just kind of speaking his mouth before really thinking and uh, saying some really awkward things and often being chastised by Jesus. He was quite passionate and uh, really making a lot of mistakes Uh, But God used him in a powerful, powerful way. We think about how he publicly denied Jesus, but then being restored uh, to that uh, relationship again and being used so mightily for Jesus. But uh, he wrote this letter. Uh, Paul probably started uh, most of these churches, but here Peter is encouraging them and writing to them and strengthening uh, these churches. And uh, if you can just picture uh, the globe in front of you, a big world map, uh, this, these churches form kind of central and western Turkey. And so if, you can, uh, if you've got a, a geography brain or you, you're familiar, it's Turkey, western Turkey, central Turkey. That's where most of these churches are. That's where he is writing to. And I love the word, and it's going to define a lot of our series, is the word exiles. That the situation that is uh, present while Peter is writing this letter is not a great one for the church. So Rome is in charge of the area. Nero is the emperor. And if you know anything about Nero, he was not a nice guy. And a couple of times he started some very deliberate programs of uh, violent persecution to the church. And there are stories that come out of this time that Nero used to take Christians, he would dip them in tar, he would impale them, set them on fire to light his garden parties. And that's what he liked to do to Christians. Uh, Some of the accounts come out where they would wrap Christians in kind of animal skins, like sheep skins, and then put them into the Colosseum to uh, be like the the warm-up show for the gladiators, and they'd have to uh, fend themselves off against lions, and they'd be sports and entertainments uh, for gladiators. That was uh, the kind of thing that Nero liked to do to Christians. And so they called them exiles scattered throughout the area because persecution had come to the church. I'm very fortunate to enough to have traveled to the area of Cappadocia, and there's a little town there called Goreme. And that is where a large portion of guys fled to. And you can actually go and and do some hikes. And you can find these uh, hidden networks of church caves. And we went into this. It was just such an incredible moment. uh, Very awe-spiring to uh, walk where where some of our our brothers and sisters of Christ have walked um, in a different time. And uh, to find 
uh, up in this valley and you had to go with a guide and he would move a rock and go behind a bush and all of a sudden to just a normal eye, you don't know anything's there, and all of a sudden to find an entrance to go into a cave that has seven stories below ground of whole Christian communities who try to make life work with some of the extreme persecution uh, that they were facing. It wasn't commonplace for guys just to be arrested and killed for being a believer. Uh, they lived in a world that it was completely uh, hostile towards believers. And this is what Peter is going to write in this letter. The whole uh, point of his letter is one of real encouragement and strengthening to believers who are being uh, persecuted, violently killed, violently for their faith in Jesus Christ. That for many of these people that Peter is writing to, having surrendered their lives to Christ, they are now surrendering their lives uh, for Christ. That death is a very real reality for them. And that's why he addresses this to exiles. uh, Guys who are scattered and, and journeying through a world that doesn't understand them, doesn't love them, has no grace for them, is actually hostile towards them. And the encouragement that's going to come out is, yes, exiles, this isn't your home. Uh, This isn't your land. You belong to another place. And as they're journeying through what they have to journey through, Peter's going to encourage them on how best to live out your faith in light of everything that is happening. And that is going to be the encouragement that we are going to draw out of this letter is how do we as people who belong to another place live our lives out as the encouragement to them is. Right, so now let's read uh, as he gets into uh, this letter from verse 3 down to verse 12. So follow with me. This is one sentence. Sometimes uh, our guys in... Uh, This was written originally in Greek, uh, just a different language structure. But this is actually just one sentence, verse 3, all the way to verse 12. And it's just such a pity that we have one night on this because we could spend uh, a whole lot of time in here. But follow with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice that that though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through the refine, uh, being re- refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that has come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them and that they were not serving themselves but you. 
And when they spoke of these things that have now been told uh, you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even the angels longed to look into such things. How many of you enjoy hiking? Cool, a whole lot of you enjoy hiking. A whole lot of you don't. Now, there are uh, two types of hikers. I uh, quite enjoy how, how we can kind of uh, camp people. Uh, I wonder how many of you fit into this first category of hikers. Uh, who cares about the trail? Right, it's just the outdoors, uh, markers, signposts. No, you just, you're out there, you're going to make your own trail, you're going to follow whatever path uh, you want. You're just out there. Anybody enjoy hiking like that? Okay, so it's, okay, thanks, I'm not alone. There are a few of you. How many of you are marker people? Right? You won't even move until you can see and the mark and the path, the little arrow on the rock is very clearly visible to you. How many of you are those people? All right. My wife is like that. We go on a hike. I want to go exploring. I want to kind of veer off the path and see what's over there and see what's over there. And I kind of do my own thing. And she will not move until uh, the arrow is pointing. And then it's like every two meters, where's the arrow? Where's the arrow? Where's the arrow? Um, I am going to get in trouble because she does listen to the, uh, the audio version of this. Sorry, love. Markers are important. I mean, I, I'm notorious for getting lost. I once thought my car was stolen. Uh, because I didn't kind of take stock of my bearings. I was in Cape Town on Long Street. And if you know, it's quite a busy place. And I went into a shop. I came out, but I turned right instead of turning left. And so I was trying to find my car. And for about two and a half hours, I'm walking up and down the streets, up until the door of that shop, trying to find my car. But I didn't kind of lock down a bearing, something to help me navigate uh, where I was going. And in fact, I went to Joburg Gen the other day, and I used my my maps app to save my location in the parking lot because it's like a small city and I didn't want to think my car was stolen again. But uh, bearings are important. Sign markings, uh, we understand the value of them. Some of you, uh, sometimes I actually take my parking bay number, uh, photograph with my phone just to kind of get my bearings and know where I have to get back to. Guys who live in Cape Town will always tell you, use the mountain to navigate. Joe Biggers, we use uh, you know, different kind of copies and, and roads to mark. Uh, guys have been doing that for years. Sailors using the stars. Uh, markings are important. I once did a hike with Inez where we got lost. And uh, we got lost for 12 hours. We were lost. Uh, and we were lost without food. We were lost without water. In fact, no one knew we were even hiking. And so no one knew we were gone. And uh, there was no cell phone reception. And uh, we started out at 9 a.m., what we thought was going to be an hour-long hike. And so we provisioned for about an hour. And 9 o'clock at night, we were still um, out and lost. And again, nobody even was going to come and find us because no one knew we were even uh, missing. But I can remember uh, when we finally found a marker that knew that we were on the right track. Uh, We both kind of just burst into tears because we were gone a long time. Uh, we talk about that day. What my wife doesn't share was uh, how I was contemplating eating her because of how hungry I was 12 hours of hiking with no food. You know, so very real uh, kind of fear and danger that we were in being out uh, that long lost. But when we realized, when we finally got our bearings, when we were able to find a market to navigate the journey we were on, all of our confidence returned. All of our joy returned. Uh, there was a spurring on of energy that managed to get us uh, to our car uh, and to get home. 
And uh, this is what I love about what Peter is encouraging the churches. That they still have to navigate life. You know, he doesn't dismiss trials. He, and, and we're going to spend a whole sermon on, on the whole problem of suffering and the believer. But he doesn't uh, dismiss the, the reality of suffering and trials in their lives. And that's almost a given that, that this is going to happen. And, and life is hard. And while we aren't experiencing the level of violent persecution that they're experiencing, we still are in a world that we have to navigate and live out our faith on a daily basis. And while it might not be death that we're facing, but there is public ridicule. Some of you guys are in high school, and high school is becoming uh, increasingly harder and harder to talk about your faith and to live out your faith in a way that honors Christ. And and the pressures that are mounting with that university, uh, it's just an increased version of that. Uh, Some of the pressures that you guys have to navigate being in the marketplace uh, with colleagues and friends about, uh, you know, some of the conversations that you have and and how people look down on you because you're a believer. And and while it's not that extreme uh, persecution that's uh, the, the church that Peter is writing to is facing, we as believers are finding it increasingly harder to navigate the world that we live in. And while, while there's not physical persecution, there's a lot of intellectual persecution. And, and people just are becoming less and less tolerant of us as believers. And what we stand for is we're trying to live out our faith in a very real way and on a daily basis. And this is the encouragement to us that's same to them, or for them, and same to us, that what Peter is encouraging in this passage with our salvation is that what we have is this fixed reference point as we journey through our lives. That so many things are going to come our way that are going to try and take us off of our our focus, off of what we need to be kind of fixed on, which is Jesus and and the incredible salvation that we have in him. Because that's what's going to get us through uh, this life as exiles, that we're journeying through a world that is hostile to us, that doesn't understand us, that doesn't support our values and our views, that we've got something that's going to help us navigate all the way through. And that's the encouragement for them, and that's the encouragement for us, that our salvation. And that's why he starts off with, remember the context, these guys are dying every day with violent persecution, that they're having to flee their homes and go hide in mountains. That's how real their persecution is. But he doesn't shy away from that, and in fact, he goes straight to the encouragement of our salvation for us to be able to praise God through everything that we're going through. Because that is kind of our anchor. That is our our fixed reference point that we always look to and what we use to navigate the life that we have to live. Look back down at verse 3 with me. And this is where he starts. And if you're kind of looking and why this is such an important marker for us, this fixed reference point in our lives as we journey as exiles, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. One of the first words that he uses in his encouragement to these guys is mercy. You might know the verse, mercy triumphs over judgment. Every single one of us here deserved the righteous judgment of God. Instead of getting righteous judgments, we received gracious mercy. In fact, none of us deserve the mercy of God, but every one of us have received it in unlimited abounds. 
that instead of judging us as we should have been judged in our sin, he gave us mercy and forgiveness and caused us to be born again. I know some of us, and some of you might struggle with some of the Christian language that we use, is born again. But what we mean by that is, again, we're encouraged in Scripture and told in Scripture that we were dead in our sins. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are made alive again in Him. And this is this mercy that we have. That, and this is why guys don't understand us. This is why uh, this language of exiles and strangers, uh, some of your Bibles might have that word strangers, is that we are different. And we're different. Uh, we are set apart. There's, there's a change, a fundamental change that has happened in every single one of our lives. For so those of us who have surrendered our lives to Christ, being born again, this difference of being dead in our sin to now being alive in Christ. And that was caused by His mercy on our lives. That every single day, you and I as exiles in this world, in a world that is growing in their hostility uh, towards Christians, get to know and live in the mercy of God. That you might have never won something in your life. You might have never received any sort of major gift or anything. You know, you're one of those people who've won the lotto or some of those lucky guys who win dream holidays. But one thing we have received in unlimited amounts is the mercy of God. And that defines every day of our lives. As we navigate our schools, as we navigate varsities, as we navigate some of our homes where there's hostility towards our faith, our workplaces, kind of the marker, the reference point for us that we always look to that helps us navigate what we have to navigate is His mercy on our lives. To know every single day we live in His mercy and that mercy has caused us to be born again. I'm in his family. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. That is where my identity is placed. And that is reflected out as I navigate this world that I have to live in. One of the fixed reference points that will never move in my life that I always look to to navigate is his mercy. And further down as he talks about through the resurrection of Jesus. So if you kind of want to reflect on this uh, later in the week, write down the words mercy and write down the word resurrection. It's so important for us as believers to have the resurrection as a fixed marker in our lives for us to always look to because that means a couple of things. The most important thing that it means is victory. That as Jesus died on the cross in my place for my sin, him rising again from the dead means he forever destroyed the hold of sin on my life and the hold of death on my life. I no longer live this world with the fear of shame and the fear of death. And death no longer has a hold on the believer because while my body physically will die, my soul goes on for all eternity. All because of the victory of Jesus Christ through his resurrection from the dead, where he conquered sin and he conquered death. Again, fear dictates so many people. But as we think about our salvation as a reference point for our lives, that what we have in Christ, what he has done for us and what he's doing through us, that is what we fix and focus on our attention on and our gaze on, that is what navigates or helps us navigate our lives. We can live our lives without shame. 
Your past is your past. And if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, he has forgiven you. And you do not need to live in shame from your past because of the new life in Christ. And you are free from that. It's amazing. And he can encourage, and Peter can encourage this church around death because while they might physically die, that is only just, uh, as Steve mentioned this morning, I love it, he said death for believers is chapter one. Even if we live a hundred years on this earth, it's just chapter one. It's just such a small part of the bigger picture for us, which is eternity. And then as we go down, it says uh, new life into living hope through the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance. And such an important word for us. Mercy, resurrection of Jesus, that victory that is for all believers and also inheritance. It's so important for us to, to think of everything that is our salvation. And that inheritance is eternity. And it says it can never fade, perish, or spoil. Everything in this world is temporary. Everything on this earth has a shelf life. It has an expiry date. Nothing in this world lasts forever. You put uh, maybe a McDonald's cheeseburger. I think that was an experiment. They wanted to see like, how long it takes one of those things to like, biodegrade. And I think the experiment is still going on. But eventually that too, it will uh, degrade. But everything tends towards disorder. Those expensive, good quality clothes that you buy, they fade. They perish. It eventually gets holes. Your shoes eventually uh, wear through and they perish. Uh, Food rots. Your car breaks. Everything in this world is temporary. Nothing is fixed and permanent except our eternity. How incredible is that for us that live in a world that is so temporary where things can be gone in a second. And there's so much unsurety. We have for us an inheritance, our eternity, that is permanent. That nothing can take away from what we have in the finished, completed work of Jesus. In fact, it's even shielded by God, the creator of the universe. Hey, how amazing is that? That our inheritance cannot perish, fade, or swell, but being shielded for us. Uh, when it's revealed, that's when we breathe our last breath, or when Jesus comes again, uh, we will then enter into uh, the rest of our lives, which is eternity. Trials come, life is hard, they're experiencing great difficulties. But the hope and the joy for them is what is the the reference point for their lives, their salvation. And our salvation is from God. This is the amazing thing about it, is there's nothing we can do to earn it, and we can't do anything to have it taken away. That our inheritance is shielded for us. Nothing can take that away. What joy and encouragement and, and strengthening for these guys and for us. And it's going to be a joy for us because we're going to go, and, uh, go straight into actually celebrating communion. That we get to live our lives in light of our salvation. That that is the, the, the thing that dominates uh, what we use to navigate our lives. Things are not easy. 
Many of us are struggling with many different things. But our focus, our focus is always on the completed work of Jesus, which is our salvation. It's his body broken for us. It's his blood poured out for us uh, in the new covenant, relationship by faith with him. And guys, as you come into taking communion, I want us to spend some time just thinking through the incredible salvation that we have. Maybe it's a time for you to uh, even make a new commitment to him. I don't know what this year has been like for you or where you're at. But think about what Jesus has done. Think about what it means for us in the life that we live. And I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to invite you to, when you're ready, uh, to come and take communion and really spend some time praying and just praising God for uh, this uh, salvation that we have. And then I'm going to wrap up with a, a few more things after that. Jesus, I'm just so grateful. One, for your mercy on my life. I do not deserve the salvation that I have. But you have given me incredible mercy. Mercy I don't deserve. It's just unconditional. And Jesus, I want to praise you for your resurrection from the dead. Because of your victory, it means my victory. Your victory over sin means my victory over sin. You scorned the cross. It means I do not need to live in shame. You conquered my greatest enemy, death which means I do not need to have any fear in this life. And you have given me an inheritance, eternity. And nothing can rob me of that because it is yours for me and you are shielding that for me. Jesus, as we enter into a time when we reflect intentionally on your death for us, Jesus, won't you just again make us aware of what that fully means? Just thank you for that, Jesus. Amen. So I invite you to come, take the, uh, the bread and the grape juice and just enjoy a time of reflecting on Jesus. Amen. So as Peter was encouraging uh, these churches, and to think and to understand the value of their salvation. A couple of words and phrases that are there, which are just so powerful. And the results of a life where we're really just living out our faith and our salvation, the one word that comes up is praise. That they're encouraged just to praise God with no matter what their circumstances are, no matter what's kind of happening, is that uh, praise dictates their life. Another phrase that is in there that is just so incredible is this living hope. That understanding where our salvation is placed and where it's from in all eternity, that translates into a living hope every single day. And that our faith is increased in God. And I love the phrase towards the end of the passage. It says, though you have not seen him, you believe in him. That their faith is increased because of the understanding that they have of their salvation. And I love those words. Just a life of praise. uh, That there's living hope that's 
evidence and an increase of faith and trust in God. We titled tonight's message to refocus. That as this year is already in, in full swing, that tonight you would, uh, in a step of faith, go, okay, God, I am refocusing my attention and my affection on you and you alone. That as I have to navigate the life that I ha- have to, that I'm going to do it with you as my marker, my fixed reference point, and all that you are and all that you mean and all that you've done is what's going to get me through. And I'm going to live my life in light of all of that. And if you want to uh, refocus, and if you want that to be just a prayer of your heart, uh, as we are just to bow down in prayer, uh, I want to pray a special prayer for you as we did this morning. So if you want to uh, just refocus and you want this to be what characterizes your life, why don't you just stick your hand up quickly and then I can specifically pray for you. Our Father God, as uh, so many people here tonight have just heard your word, that they want to refocus their attention and their affection on you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into the space that you, uh, through your power, would just encourage everyone here. I pray that you would just encourage everyone in light of your incredible salvation, your incredible mercy on our lives that has caused us to be born again into a living hope because of your resurrection from the dead that gives us this victory and into an inheritance that cannot fade, perish, or spoil. We want to thank you for your grace, that it doesn't matter what uh, we've been doing up until this point, that your grace is sufficient for us where we are right now. And so for everyone that has raised their hands, Father God, I pray that you would be gracious to them. And again, with power from your Holy Spirit, that you would enable them to live uh, lives that reflect the salvation that you have given us. We thank you that we can refocus on you. You are an incredible God. Amen. Guys, I want to just encourage you. There's uh, tea, coffee, and brownies at the back. I'll be here at the front if anyone would like specific prayer around something that God has spoken to you in this message. Otherwise, don't uh, run off, uh, meet some people, enjoy good conversation. But otherwise, I'll see you next week. Thank you.